All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle paid the price. Wanna slice, got to roll the dice. That's why, all my life, I've been grinding all my life. Look, all my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle paid the price. Wanna slice, got to roll the dice. That's why, all my life, I've been grinding all my life. Look, I'm married to this guy. Back from the past, we are back at you guys, trash people. Back at it. What's going on? Um, I'm your co host. DJ Anzo, Ivan. Anzo the Great. <laughs> and with my boy, uh, our co-host, Uncle E. What's up, guys? Tell the people what's up, man. Uh, good, good good, evening, morning, afternoon, wherever, wherever you are, are, you know, to our tribes people. Yeah, yeah. because it's global now, bro. I was looking at the... Where's the global out here? The stats, and we got some listeners in some places, man. So, shout out to you guys. Um, welcome back to episode nine. Yeah, and we're, almost, uh, we're almost getting done with the season yeah one more episode after this one more season and then or one more episode and then it's recess back to recess again you know you know we, we like our recess um but yeah today we got a special one um yes actually a collaboration that we deeply value and you know has come to be one of the things we look forward to a lot in you know the past few months um but we actually have a uh, three guests three very special guests um, from the Seattle area, and I'm just excited about this one, man. How you feeling? No, of course, you know, beyond excited. This is uh, this, first of all, this is even not only having three guests. How mm-hmm. lucky we are! First time we are actually collaborating, you know, on our on our platform on with our another platform. podcast. You That's know? right. And I, I don't think we we could have found a better one to start off with. Yeah. You know, to to really, you know, hopefully even just build like a good podcast relationship exactly. you know if like that, you know if that's the word yeah <laughs> yeah so you know we're, we're really excited um and before we even introduce you know we just you know we highlighted in the last episode we were lucky enough we got invited into their platform yep. their podcast so if you guys listen to episode eight you know we talked about it and now, if you were wondering what they were even talking about and you didn't, you know, go into it, now we, you know, we brought it for you yep. to, you know, to see why, you know, we so, speak so highly of this podcast. Yeah. Yes. I mean, without further ado. Yes. Gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. I'm humble. God is good. You feel me? They talking plaudits. I'm like, I know they ain't talking about WB. No, hold on, even like who they talking about? I'm starting work on that. You know, more positive self. Yes, so speak. Self thoughts. Um, my name is WB. Um, we represent two shy guys of Mile High. We are three black men in STEM trying to win. You feel me? We trying to win everything. We trying to win and building collaborations too, and then building a podcast community because the more we can build that as well, we can just grow it and expand it, and it'll be exponential growth. It'll be yes, a, a wave and a drip. You sound like T.I. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I should use the big word. Hey, no, I'm That's preposterous. How would you? Accusations that are being told of if you learn the words, might as well use it. Yeah, oh, that's, I'm going to leave the words to this. But yeah, I'm WB yes. of uh, Two Shy Guys in Mile High. People call me Will. Yeah. I am a industrial engineer with a focus in data analytics. But mainly my main job, um, I am a product owner of an application. Um, I work at Boeing. Been there around 11 years, 12 years now. It's been a real, real long time. And ups and downs to the wave, but we can get on to that a little bit later. That just lets you know a little bit about WB. Come fly with me. I'll talk about what my background a little bit later. I just mm-hmm. trying to let my 
co-host go ahead and get yes, this sweet yes Appreciate sir you. speaking of this your boy p will if you listen to two shy guys a mile high you would know me as drip chronicles no <laughs> <laughs> no nah, nah, they call yes, me sir. phil phil wilson oh, you know if you ever want to reach out to me but uh from chicago illinois been out in washington for about eight years and also i work at Boeing company with with will as he just said so i'm an industrial engineer as well uh, currently a team lead on the spar side of things just left p8 so um just continuously grinding over there so right now i'm in charge of about six people on the team just getting them uh, introduced to industrial engineering how to get data how to produce it give it to manufacturing how to use that data to talk numbers and get up to different rates and stuff like that so a little bit of integrated scheduling process improvements and things as such and like like will said i get down to more of uh, about me later on once we introduce the last member of two shy guys a mile high wow sir. well yeah this is al digger i go by al um just just you guys thank you for having us first of all and uh yeah just coming to the to the podcast i didn't know what i was going to say and how how to say it but you guys gave us all the intro so we'll just leave it at that but um perfect intro i mean (laughs) just floaty intro for real floaty um but no i've i've been out here in washington for about 15 years uh right now i'm a full-time father husband entrepreneur uh, I left corporate America for, uh, I was there about 15 years, uh, a variety of roles, uh, engineering roles, customer support engineer, um, electrical engineer, equipment engineer, um, program manager, uh, but ended up meeting these two guys at, at Bowen and of course um, become my best compadres, my best friends. Um, one's a god dad to our sons. I'm going to shout out my, my new my new bride, Mary. Okay. Um so we just got He's married. Gonna let him flex it. Yeah, no, I mean, but you know, got, got to man. Yes. I mean, yes. you, just, you got that new, you got that new car smell. <laughs> <laughs> but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be who I am with, without her. Yeah. You know, having sure. having her kind of show me some of these things that we we talk about on on our podcast as well. Um, just uplifting and trying to be a blessing to to the community. So um, once again, we'll talk more about my background and, as we get forward. But. Uh, just thank you guys for having us, man. We, we really appreciate, appreciate it. it. Really do. No doubt, and welcome to the welcome to our platform. Welcome to the to the Jolla meets the Mighty experience. Yeah. Thank you for sharing it yes, with us. Definitely. Um, and you know, just to even like Ivan, you know, before we even you know get started knowing more about them and go through our conversations, you know, what really makes me personally happy is you know just hearing them and their professionals how what kind of role models we have, mm-hmm. you know, as black men that we should look up to. Um, and we want to learn from their experiences, you know, their journeys, you know, even as they're going through it, you know, I feel like, you know, even like for me, early career, even from when I was an intern, you know, even from, let's say, meeting Phil at a Boeing gym, playing basketball, mm-hmm. even from that early, that was a role model for me to look up to because yeah. he started seeing. Yeah. So, you know, when you're young and, you know, let's say having an internship, 19 year old intern, you're only a minority, right? And, you know, you after work, you go to play basketball, but you see role models, you know, who are working at the company. Um, they're doing great things. So it really gives you hope. Right. It's yeah. like, you know, you have someone to look up to say, look at where they are. Look at what they're doing. It inspires you. Yeah. So, you know, and, and, and just, I mean, to, to add on to that, mm-hmm. I mean, it's what we talk about in the media every day is representation matters. Mm-hmm. Right. It's mm-hmm. like it doesn't matter how it's. Is it being done, you know? Because if I see, if I'm in the gym and I see Phil, you know, crossing everybody up yeah. and everything, I'm going to be like, yo, I'm <laughs> trying to sure. be like him. 
Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And, but, and, then, but, and, and to add again to what you're saying, you see that you're like, that's amazing. Yeah. But now, especially when you put it in a work professional environment, exactly. Now you're like, wait, Phil is doing this. But yeah. Phil's an industrial engineer, engineer as well yeah, at yeah. Boeing. It's you like, know? he's more than so, what uh, he's, they're, you know, they want him to be. More than an athlete. You know, more than an athlete. More than an athlete, you know? So, yeah. you know, because, you know, we, we, we wander through it, right? You know, we, we when we go to work, um, where you're underrepresented, you know, that Definitely, you, yeah. you, you feel you feel like, okay, who's going to look out for me here, you know? Um, and you don't see people who look like you. Um, so whenever you get to meet, you know, people who look like you and you know they're doing great things and even if you're meeting them outside our work environment it it really gives you that you know it motivates you to know that okay you can keep working hard or you know it's not only going to be you here there are others who've done this before who understand your struggle and going Mm -hmm. through that that's kind of crazy that's good to hear because i'm i need that word of encouragement right now you know (laughs) and it's um what i took out of the whole thing that you just put down Mm -hmm. is who you can influence, just being you, just sticking to the yeah. script, staying in your lane. You don't know who you can encourage, you know yes, what I'm so saying? So I'm probably, I don't want to speak with you. I, no. That's probably how I'm really humbling to hear that. Yeah, it's so humbling like, <laughs> and it's appreciative because, hey, first of all, bring back the Oxbow. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> bring back the Oxbow. Man, that gym was, that was just a, a, a safe haven. That, that, that was it. Workout. It's a community. Real. That's where yeah. I met. I don't want to just about everybody here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had a bad day. Things uh, ain't right at home, you feel no, me? So, yeah. You can you can just go and just be yourself. Yep. Like, I think you, you guys touched on that. And mm-hmm. you mean, we this has been the... The, the culmination of both podcasts of try to try to be an example of what's possible right, right? like like seeing somebody doing something not not in envy like yo can you like how did you do that mm-hmm. right and, yep. and like you said having that role model of it's not all of just what you see there but go deeper mm-hmm. and like you said he's an engineer he's he can hoop you know he's he from chicago you know you start to learn that as you get deeper and have these type of conversations. It's a platform, so, for, yeah, it's a platform for us to get together. It's a forum for us to actually get out there. And I mean, you can do whatever you want on the court. And then after that's up, we, hey, what's good with you? Hey, you, you've been out here. I remember exactly. when you was an intern all the way yep. to when you got the full-time position. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then just seeing you, I was like, a year went past. Like, oh, dang, he back. What's good again, bro? I remember you out here. Right, he made it through the phase one. Exactly. <laughs> Come on so, back. But yeah. no, it, I'm appreciative for you to say those kind right. words and, uh, it all it happened to me too, so it's just like you know, what I'm saying I, it's it's the paying it forward and the giving back, and you never know who you can touch with, you know, whatever words that you speak. So it's just good to see that representation out there. Other people that look, you know, we the same skin tone, so we gotta look out for each other because it's, it's been countless times where we just walking around the gym and I, if I'm scanning the thing and I'm like, okay, what's good, man? <laughs> right, How right, you right, doing, bro? Exactly. How you doing? And you know, yeah. I've never like I've I've had people like been with me from different races like do you know him or something I'm like nah i don't but right before we leave i'm pretty we're, sure we're, we're on the same wavelength yeah we're on the same wavelength i don't know his background i don't know his story but i know it's something there that we right. can we got something in common there's a common other. struggle there yep. of of where do i to me where do i fit in in the grand scheme of of my my surroundings now like mm-hmm. i can look at any black person any black yep. male or female just even without knowing the history of of, of western culture like i can see Yo, it's it's a lot going on, like just from from a racial perspective, right? Oh, hundred percent. You know, so I know, like I said, I'm already connected with mm-hmm. that person without even knowing them because I can understand your plight by just we in it hooping. I'm I'm trying to dunk somebody. I can't even dunk you right now. Dunk. But, I'm saying, yeah. but, I'm, but I'm saying I'm using it as you an out, even as an outlet. Put into the paint. Oh, whatever, <laughs> dude. But I got that wet jumper. 
I got that wet jumper. Hey. I guess what I'm, what I'm saying is that I can I can I can already identify okay. yeah. and relate to that person. And hopefully, you know, when we have that time to to talk, it's yeah. like, okay, I get it. Yeah. Or we or we or we go our separate ways. Yeah. No, yeah. I might have went through a struggle that I might experience as well in a different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, yeah, for sure. And to and talking about it and keeping it in terms of, you know, stems and, you know, how we pursue our careers and the journey that leads us there. So we wanted to first know, you know, if each of you guys could talk about, you know, you talk about your hometowns, where you're from, in terms of what's led you guys into pursuing a career in STEM, becoming engineers, and how, what were the main influences you had, you know, growing up, um, your background, so just kind of give, you know, give, give our listeners uh, your individual journeys to become engineers. So once again, P. Will, south side of Chicago, Riverdale area, born at University of Chicago Hospital, uh, just going in uh, from a Public school down in the south side, Thornton Township High School, right. Harvey, Illinois. It was just all black people there, right? Mm-hmm. It was not diverse or whatever. It was just trying to more so get out of the hood, mm-hmm. get out of the streets. So my platform came from my parents didn't have any college education. So it was all about us, me and my brother and my uncle, because he lived with us since we were young, us getting out and experiencing something that they didn't have the opportunity to do. My dad worked at uh, various gas refineries and steel mills, and he seen the things that engineers did, and he understood the type of work that they did because he was a team lead in manufacturing his own uh, aspect. So he would see the things that engineers would do because currently I do that now, so I understand now that it came full circle, but he would see the things that they do, and he could see as me growing up and developing, liking to use my mind, liking to uh, understand problems and complex situations and figure mm-hmm. out how to get around that or how to eliminate roadblocks, yep. how to analyze situations. If you're growing up in Chicago, you're already analyzing 360 all day because you got to watch your surroundings. You got to know what's happening and how to get around and how to uh, finesse. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, he was just giving me the information about what engineering is and the aspects of it. So STEM um, and then taking honors classes in high school. But like I like I said, and uh, listen to Two Shy Guys on Mile High podcast, not understanding too much about education, higher education when I was in high school. They didn't teach us that too much. Mm. And then uh, going on into college, having that uh, aspect, because you're breaking down colleges into engineering college, you got liberal arts and sciences, communications, all the different business, all those type of things. So I already had that background from my father teaching me like engineering is one platform that you can use if you're already interested in things like this. Right. So analyzing right. math, engineering, science, so I took a liking to that early in high school, and I was able to kind of guide myself towards that when I went to college, just having an understanding of what I was interested in and what I wanted to pursue. So that is, uh, and then actually getting to college and being in like the, I lived in the set house dorm, which was a science engineering technology. So they are more uh, direct with teaching you like in your dorm, they would give you pamphlets on STEM, what it is, uh, different resources and outlooks you can look to within the campus, different organizations you can join to learn more about STEM. So uh, we were handed out this information and it was more so I was just concerned and uh, I wanted to actually uh, make it through college because it was like what my parents were trying to get me to do. Like they didn't have the opportunity to do it. And then my brother went off to the Navy and it was just like, okay, I wanna bring home this college degree, make my parents proud, actually do something myself. And then that's how I got the ball rolling with um, engineering. And then I went from safety engineering to industrial engineering and that's how I got into the IE field. 
So that's just a like a quick little grasp of P Dub, P Will, mm -hmm. how I got into the STEM field. Mm -hmm. I'm saying it's just been good from there. Bars. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying. Wow. Man. At the time though, did did you was there like do you think it was a conscious effort that you were making towards achieving these things or it was like already ingrained in your in your head subconsciously and you just did them? I saw my dad as a hard worker. Mm -hmm. So that's what gave me the fuel because at first I didn't see myself as much of going to college because it wasn't just like heavily displayed in front of me. A lot of people weren't doing it like you were making through the streets first. Yeah before you would go to college. But as I grew, and then also I had a son at an earlier age. Hmm. So I uh, knew that it wasn't just me at that point in time. So that's what gave me that extra encouragement and that extra fuel to actually dig into these resources, dig into the things that they were telling me to tell me like, hey, okay, you got to do something else with yourself. Somebody's watching you. Somebody's looking up to you. Mm -hmm. You got to make something of yourself. And then I got to do that same thing, like going to college. And I got to preach that to my kid and let him know that he got to do better than I did. Well, that's what I want him to to yeah. do. So that's what gave me that extra motivation, that extra encouragement because I didn't have it at first. Yeah. yeah. That's dope. That's wow. dope, that's man. Amazing. That's dope. Hey, you need to say that. We put do it say that and put it on our stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, P. Will. But this is WB. My name is Will Bradford. I was born in Detroit, Michigan, August 31st. I'm not going to say the year. I get what it is, but it's still Virgo season. So it's all right. You know yep. what I'm saying? Kobe and Virgo. Hey, happy belated to... You know? Yeah, happy belated birthday. Appreciate it. Appreciate yeah, it. Born in Detroit, Michigan at Sinai Hospital. Mm. And um, spent a little bit of time there. And it was in third grade when my dad had an opportunity to go ahead and get a promotion um, to move to Denver, Colorado. He was working with a company called EDS, Electronic Data Systems. Um, they were a company that branched out of General Motors, but from my background and foundation, like, and positive influences all been just my family. Like my mom and my dad were heavily into sim. My mom and my dad have both were computer science majors. Um, my dad, they both went to Grambling High, Grambling University yeah. in Grambling, okay. Louisiana. Yeah. So from that perspective, that gave me a little bit of a experience to know what HBCUs are because um, I'm always seeing Grambling and Southern and then these other schools. I'll get to that a little bit more of that later. Mm -hmm. But um, there's also my grandfather who is a doctor, my aunt's an anesthesiologist, my uncle who um, is works in electrical engineering for Lockheed. So I've always had mm -hmm. positive influences yeah, in front excellent. of me and around me yeah. to say right. that, excellent. yo, push yourself further in STEM, do what you need to do. Um, my, aunt, my, um, my aunt as well, too, she's in the educational field, but she's a librarian. But I just was always fed and kept knowledge. And after we moved from Detroit, I went to... Littleton, Colorado. I say Denver because most people know Denver. Nuggets and seven, by the way. <laughs> Nuggets and seven. Nuggets relax. and seven. Please. You feel me? Relax. I ain't gonna say too much because y'all ain't gonna have me looking out here <laughs> looking like Skip Bayless <laughs> and these other people after they done left this. I'm with Will. I'm with Will. Nuggets and seven. I'm not even gonna start. We're back bro. on track. Keep going with your story. Yeah, back yeah. on track. Keep going with the story. Yeah. Um, it's nothing but white people out there. Yeah. I'm I'm about ten minutes away from Columbine High School, where the one of the Ooh. first initial school shootings there are. Yeah. Um, but my parents always knew that they wanted to keep me grounded and make sure that I kept my black card accepted everywhere. Yeah. So uh, we went to black churches. My dad always wanted to make sure that we had that connection with them. But it was a little bit kind of different because 
Um, you always come from the suburbs to the city and it's like, am I black enough? Because mm. I got people hating on me because it's like, well, you're well off, you're well to do. What do you know about the struggle? Mm. And then I'm not sometimes accepted over there, but I'm cool. I'm WB, come fly with me. So yeah. I'm, I could kick it with you. Yeah. But it, it kind of gave me anxiety about who I really was at the end of the day and kind of being ashamed about who I was. I was like, why am I ashamed of this? This should mm -hmm. be really natural. Yeah. And then on the opposite side, it's the white people side. I'm like, I'm one of a handful at all of my schools until I went to high school. Mm -hmm. um, I went to public schools and then um, I went to Mullen High School, which is a private school, Catholic school. But that's when I started seeing a little bit more black people um, playing sports, football. Uh, so I played football all the way up through high school. And then at that point, I, when I wanted to go to school and college, I was like, man, I need to figure out how to get my black people university education from the standpoint of brokering relationships networking doing all the things that i want to do i knew my mom and my dad went to hbcus the majority of my family with hbcus <laughs> so i knew what i'm going to famu florida a m university tallahassee florida going down there doing my thing um from there i started being an electrical engineer i was well prepared in high school electrical engineer i'm good i'm first semester i'm starting i'm hot bam i'm mm -hmm. dipping i'm dabbing you know i'm going to the moon i'm partying i'm kicking it. i'm yeah. doing what i do and then those major classes start getting into the way for electrical engineering and i did not put enough time to be good at them classes because those classes are hard mm -hmm. or maybe i just didn't have the brain for it maybe it was just a journey <laughs> i had to take or god had to take me on to make sure that i found my right path from then, um, my dad is helping fund my education. That's why he has my degree on his wall because he paid for it. He's like, son, you should not be down here BSing. He's like, this is not cheap, bro. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. And, um, I'm like, all right, all right, I'm going to get to him. He's like, no, for real, because yeah. you about yeah. to come home. You about right. to get pulled off the stage like yeah. a Sandman look like a clown. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, all right, dad. So I, I wanted to have something that stuck within engineering, wanted to not be computer science because I'm named after my father. I'm the second, but I didn't want to follow his footsteps, yeah. even though I'm in his footsteps right now. But I, that's why I went industrial engineering. It was engineering related and there's always able to keep a business side to it as well. Oh. I can see the presentations. I can make the different influences I need to do with the manufacturing process as efficiencies, the statistical part about it. So I'm like, all right, good. Um, shout out to my guy Prince. That's when I, I got a internship at Boeing. He went out, he balled out at the Kennedy Space Center. So cool. I was able to, he opened up a door for me. I walked through that, mm -hmm. came through looking fresh, did my thing down the Kennedy Space Center. And that opened my eyes. It was so cool seeing all the space stuff down there, seeing the shuttles, seeing the launches, being in the International Space Station No. 2. It's actually in space right yeah. now. I'm like, man, this is wild. Like, this yeah. is what it is. Yeah. So I knew that I had to figure it out. Um, from that standpoint, I applied to Boeing long term because I knew that the space shuttle program was dying. They're like, well, we're going to put up a new contract, new bid, whatever. I'm like, this ain't safe. <laughs> so I applied for the 737 program, ended up having my interview, had my job offer, went back to school, finished up. Shoo, I'm gone. Um, and then from that standpoint, I've been out here ever since for uh, 11 years at first when I started I was doing more just process improvement related stuff on the factory floor doing the time studies um, doing the coordination between the engineering groups to figure out how to get a lot of the different changes implemented but at the at the end of the day my heart was in a little bit of that coding stuff so I started getting better at the data the metrics the visualization using Tableau using SQL whatever it may be um, to produce a result to make actionable data and make the process of producing the 737 more efficient mm -hmm. um, safer cheaper and more ergonomic yep. so it's um, brokered that 
into a position I'm in today where I'm more of a product owner right now. I'm kind of trapped right now because I have to, I like the product owner role because I get to manage the application. I get to find the requirements. I get to implement the cool stuff, talk to the people, figure out where the pain points are to help other people make their job a little bit easier. But I also like the coding stuff. So I'm kind of a geek. So I get into that too. Um, figuring out our programming, dibble and dabble with that. And then it's like, well, what hole do I want to go down? So I feel as though I'm at a justification in my career right now, which is kind of good. Um, <laughs> but it's um, during this whole time, the guy's yeah, been did, good yeah. to me. He's held it down. Matt yep. Al, Matt Phil, met e man I, like i met a countless amount of yes, people sir. that just helped push me along in the journey countless mentors that i've seen that helped me and and extended that hand out to me or even slapped me in the side of the head let me know i'm tripping now <laughs> yeah. i need to stay in line and get back to what i need yep, to doing. Yep. and i'm here today and i'm just so thankful to be on the podcast too so i know it was a lot but hopefully everybody was able to understand yes. my background and where i come from shout out to my wife um miss s dot <laughs> yes she's been married a little over a year rolling too so the, we've got the new marriage spell on this at least as well too but yeah. man yeah. it's it's definitely been good i mean she went to school with me at famu so if i didn't go to black school wouldn't have my black wife Same wouldn't you. have my black queen you, you know what i'm saying wouldn't have this black diamonds on this ring yeah. you know I mean? shout out my baby she be blessing me all the time and i feel that as also as black men we need to have the foundational black woman behind you Facts. or woman period but a per like for me black woman to understand what i'm going through chop me up yes, and get me to go you know what i'm saying <laughs> get me to make sure that i could be my black panther in life and i'm my own superhero going out here recipes chadwick recipes. yes sir appreciate that will um i got a quick question for will yeah um you know you talked about, you know, the influences of having so many black professionals in your family, right? And just going up to your dad being an engineer, um, and you decided to take that journey, I'm guessing on your own that, you know, regardless of what my dad's profession was, mm -hmm. this is what I want to do. So when you decided to become, even you went to MU, you started studying electrical engineering, um, did you ever reach a point where you're like, where I was, was I doing this for my parents or was I doing it for myself? Yeah, I did reach a point for that. I did reach a point a little bit because I was like, well, I was trying not to follow my dad's footsteps. But at the same time, now I'm in engineering and um, it's just not working out quite right. So did you do this for the right reasons? But at the end of the day, I think that I was placed in that situation to learn how to pivot, learn how to adapt and to learn to keep grinding, keep going and keep fighting. Just because I changed my major doesn't mean it's the end of the world. Some people don't humble themselves and make an adjustment to push them more on where they need to go upstream. And I think that, at, um, as I, had to come to grips with that and figure out why I was doing this and what I really wanted to do and playing to my strengths, then I, it was just easier that way. I've always been good at math, always been high achieving in math. Um, my dad is good at math. He's always taught me the proper way to do things. And, and for math, he's always helping me with my homework. So it was really mm -hmm. ingrained in me about how to get good at these different things. Mm -hmm. And it just came natural to me. So I was like, all right, I'm going into the STEM field. Yeah. And um, I'm here where I am right now um, because of the, those steps that I did take to get there. And um, I'm starting to realize it's just the consistency of those small steps yeah. over time compounded to the points that where you are today. Hmm. Dope. And, you know, he yeah. said play to your strengths. Yeah. You know, he, yeah. So that's yeah. yeah. a good takeaway. And and just right before you go, Al, I want to stress, um, we always talk about generational wealth and people tend to think about it in a monetary sense. But 
to me that wealth is actually an abundance in knowledge right yeah, um, for sure. mm-hmm. you know wherever it may be education um you're a product of a doctor and an engineer and lord knows what was before that but that's passed down right mm-hmm. and you, you can see it just throughout the family where it's like mm-hmm. they take that bit of what they've learned and they just grow a flower with it and which is you know us here today so Definitely. um i just want to i just wanted to highlight that so that you know people think past monetary it's not all you know it's about that it's it's about what are you doing to make you know the next generation better and whatnot so i mean that that was two examples you know exactly you know seeing you know hard work being shown by your parents that mm -hmm. you know and just building that into you Mm -hmm. that's that's a form of generational wealth in terms of values that's being passed on in terms of seeing you know your parents you know we all see it and that we always like you said tend to think that oh well you know like my dad when i was 16 didn't buy me like a lambo so <laughs> yeah, I right, right, generational yeah. wealth. but you know if i saw my dad every day Perfect. got up went to work you know took and care never, of you you know and he you was know, always on his he was always there when you needed so him that's, like, a, that's, that's generational a, wealth to me too that's yeah. a perfect perfect segue into kind of the the literally the origin of my own journey mm-hmm. um and i have to go back to my parents uh-huh. um you know my dad is no longer with us i mean he had his journey and um wasn't with us um he stepped out of our lives at, at age three so you know i start off there with my journey in the 80s you know with a little bit of baggage right my dad wasn't around um my mom you know growing up in the in the south in the 50s you know what i'm saying she might kill me for saying her age i love you mom shout out to uh, <laughs> Catherine. um but to go back to what you guys were saying it was her her planting that seed at at you know her age saying look i don't want to live like this growing up in the south you know what i'm saying you know all type of critters and stuff run over like she's family of, of nine you know what i'm saying living in, in the south you can you're talking about hardships right now you know what i'm talking about there was no internet back then right so yep. all the stuff that you're seeing on tv is happening in those in those type of environments and she has to make a way out of that so um that's where my story really starts just her sacrificing and saying i want to bring some like you say generational wealth i'm not going to let what is in front of me defined my future she said at five she knew hey i can't live like this and mm-hmm. if i have a child or anybody i'm not going to bring them to this world you know at a quote-unquote disadvantage right i want to put them in the best position so for her her educational trek started then i mean so when she moved up to chicago um i want to say in the 60s or so um that when her educational journey started and so seeing that growing up you know she went back to school while i'm going to school you know so she's putting me in uh, you know, private school. I actually went to Holy Name of Mary uh, for grammar school, um, pretty predominantly black, but that's where I really understood and, and kind of honed in on kind of the religious aspect and faith-based aspect, because obviously they talked about the Bible, things like that. But I'm a kid, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to hear all that. I just like, okay, my mom's put me in this school. You know, I'm not in the public school system at this point, which in Chicago, you know, growing up on the South side, it's not the best, you know, public schools over there. I mean, there's some good ones, but um, so she tried to put me at least in an educational sense, wrap, wrap that around me. So I'm in a, in a, in a system that's going to at least give me a shot, but I still have to go and do the work. That's, mm-hmm. but that's what she always told me. So, you know, grammar school, went to the whole name of Mary. So, um, high school went to brother rice, shout out over there. That what the crazy thing was. And, and I, I think it still is now it was an all boys school, right? Um, like Jesuit kind of mm-hmm. uh, Christian brother yeah. school mm-hmm. there. But we had the biggest all-girls school in the nation next door, so that was oh. kind of, that was the kind of the incentive as a as a young man 
just how my mom kind of sold it. Well, you know what? You can focus on your work. And then at the end of the day, you guys, you know, they chill for you, you yeah. know, doing your sports and you guys can hang out. So for me, I was like, let's let's do it. Let's keep it focused there. So that way I can keep uh, my mind on the studies because I knew that that was the way out because she was showing me that education was was going to be powerful because for her, it allowed her to get to a place where she could take care of me. She worked her way up to, I want to say, I think a director of the hospital, uh, Roseland Community Hospital, wow. if you know what that is. And it was in a, it was in a really rough neighborhood, but yeah. I, but we've seen changes through that area. But she was in there. Um, and I saw that just kind of going to school, coming back after school, seeing her do hard work and seeing her go through some of the things that we kind of go through now in corporate. You know, I didn't understand it then, but I knew that she was shielding me from a lot of that stuff to try to put me in the position to where I can be right now. Right. So so going back to the high school uh, stint, did that. I got involved with kind of STEM in that area because I had never even thought about like physics and things like that in, in grammar school. That was never taught to me. Um, so when I got out of out of grammar school, that was a, a physics class that I kind of got into and started to excel at that. It was like, hey, this is pretty natural. You know, I started to think about college like Phil was talking about, like, how can I take the the situation around me? Because I, did, I mean, gangs were prevalent where I grew mm -hmm. up on the South Side. So, you know, it was either that route, you know, what I'm saying be a dope boy, go out here, sell drugs, kill, you know, uh, look out for police, whatever. But education wasn't really talked about like that. So my mother knew that that was that was a viable option, but she had to show through her examples. And so. Going in high school, seeing that I really took to math and science, that really was something that I excelled at. All the little standardized tests let me know that, mm -hmm. yo, there's something here. Yeah. Right. So I get, like you said, playing to your strengths. I got, I kind of looked at, okay, how can, how can I capitalize on that? If I like math, I like science. You know, it comes natural with that logic, that reasoning piece. And so I looked at, yo, how, how much do people make if they use logic? And then engineering popped up. You know, it was random. I'm, in the, I'm like, like engineer, like engineer your career or something like that, right? I'm like, what is engineer? I'm thinking of, you know, somebody on a train, yeah. the conductor, right? Yeah, I see yeah. engineer yeah. because of the perspective. I don't know that there are different disciplines of engineering. The engineering is an is an, a discipline, right? Yep. So, understanding that, going through that in high school, and I'm playing sports, doing that, but I'm like, yo, I want to make sure that I'm able to put myself in the best position because she sacrificed, right? Single black mom. I don't know how she pulled miracles to put me in the private uh private high school so i'm with the brother rice and i'm thinking i gotta repay her i gotta figure out how, how to do that i gotta at least try so that was my why so phil had his, his why kind of early on he was like look somebody looking up to me will was like yo legacy has already been built anyway i'm gonna keep on going with that legacy so we just to bring it all together found yeah. found a, a why to keep going through the hardship mm -hmm. and and i think it was just those examples that we all talked about that really um when times got tough, kept me going like, hey, somebody sacrificed before me. And so for me, definitely my mother was the one that really showed me through that and through her, her actions. And so fast forwarding through college, I get a, a full ride to Illinois Institute of Technology nice. for electrical engineering. Uh, finished that in 04. Um, that's where I get, I really meet the first kind of my, my African compadre. Mm -hmm. Shout out to uh, David, uh, David Ofori Amwa. <laughs> yeah, man, uh, from from Ghana. He sounds good, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's from Ghana, man. Just uh, just my my brother and man, uh, like literally over like twenty years, man. Wow. Just, um, but met him there, and just similar stories, right? Of, mm -hmm. of of sacrifice from parents and trying to put their kids in the best position. And I don't want to take up too much more of the story, but ended up you know getting a full ride, mm -hmm. graduated 04, um, 
came to work uh, for Boeing in 04, did a slew of jobs there, uh, came as a customer support engineer, risk analysis, um, equipment engineer, flight test analysis, flight test engineer, uh, then ended that career after, after 13 years, went to Microsoft for a year and a half as a senior program manager, uh, cloud and AI, uh, after a year and a half left on my birthday uh, to pursue entrepreneurship full time uh, with my, my, my new queen, of course, my wifey, Mary. Um, and so now we have an in-home uh, STEAM-based academy uh, where we teach entrepreneurship, mindset coaching, provide childcare, also have a nonprofit where we also do uh, community service work as well and partner with communities. And so just to bring it back, it's all about it's all about giving back. I mean, so, really. Um, and then thank you guys again for for allowing me to tell my, my side of the, of the journey. It's a lot of accolades yes. in this room. Yes, man, I today. Know. That's what I say, role models. Yeah. It's not, yeah. We, we, we didn't get here by ourselves. Yeah. You know? We, yeah. we know that. You yeah. know? Um, and I've, that's a commonality too with, with us and our stories where it's like, you know, like you were saying, that precedent has already been set and it's now your job to fulfill it and like pass the torch. You know what I mean? And yes, sir. Yes, sir. that's, I mean, that's like a huge commonality I'm seeing through like yeah. our stories. No, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, and I like how we've, you know, through our stories, we're showing appreciation to our parents in terms of the sacrifices they've made yes, sir. Um, and the hard work they've put in. And not, it's not even just a don't disappoint them. It's more of an internal drive to show that, you know, you taught me, you showed me some values that, you know, that I appreciate and I want to emulate that and, you know, grow up from that. So mm -hmm. that's that's a theme I saw. And it's really inspirational for me just to hear, you know, all the stories. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, I couldn't say more myself. And, and, and know, for so. our question for Alda, you know, you talked about, you know, <laughs> she's laughing. So <laughs> in terms of, you know, when you, more of, you know, in terms of your career, you know, mentioned going into different positions um, and leading you to entrepreneurship. Could you tell us more about, you know, what your career goals and your personal goals, how did you align that into being an entrepreneur? So I think it was, I've always had a heart of service, right? I've always wanted to help people from an early age. I knew that growing up, but there's so many different narratives that get spent as you're growing up of how you can how you can serve that 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 need and that and that passion that you have right so they always tell you what, what do you want to be when you grow up right like what do you want to yeah. do when you grow up and you, you you're supposed to know that at two or five or whatever and so going back i knew that i always wanted to help people and so going into entrepreneurship now i'm going to go from from now backwards no, knowing what entrepreneurship is and how it's just really problem solving just at its at its purest form understanding what what is wrong from a consumer side like how can we fill that gap there like if you need something to 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 be created you know now you're able to to manifest that in your mind and actually go partner with other people which is the other aspect of what i liked i love i love being around people so going back to when i was younger i didn't know that that wasn't was an option it was just hey go do something to make money right and nobody kind of give you this you can be a doctor, lawyer, engineer, whatever. You just see what you see on TV at that time. And that was before the, the YouTube, before the, the Facebooks was writing your face with other things where you could you know, pick something out of that. It was this, okay, if you're not a basketball player or if you're not you know, playing sports or something, then how else are you going to get out of your situation? Yeah. So, um, like I said, having those role models show me that I think going through corporate, I realized that they're not going to give me that aspect of 
having my own freedom in that aspect because I'm, I'm going to be I'm going to have to live by somebody else's vision. Yeah, right. Exactly. I'm going to have to be, you know, kind of glass ceiling by somebody else's uh, value system. And so produce somebody yeah. else's dreams. Yeah. 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 And uh, like, hearing you say that makes me think the more that I'm starting to step outside of myself and view things. You doing what you do at work and solving problems and being good. They're giving you the skills to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. Just, they're, you don't, they're you just don't realize that. Yeah. Yeah. But when yeah. you start up, like, hmm, I'm solving problems. That's how that's how entrepreneurs make money is solving problems. Adaptable, well, yeah. adaptable, right? The Coming main difference is that they just have history, longevity, and more money. That's yep. the only resources. Yep. resources, resources, resource management. Mm-hmm. And that's the I think that's the definition of success is how you how you manage your resources, mm-hmm. even if it's at a small scale versus a big scale. Mm-hmm. You know, my mother always taught me that, too. That's that's the I think that's the power of, of of like your future. Like, what are you doing to manage the resources you do have? Not not being a victim. Right. Taking that in and growing it to what you can. But that was all learned. I can't sit here and say that I knew that growing up in you know Chicago on the south side at that point. But but at this journey, at this juncture now. You know, we have the opportunity to kind of give some lessons back and hopefully, you know, that can help somebody who might be going through something similar. He yeah. being shy, he ain't bring up his short music career. No. Oh. Oh. <laughs> we got people clapping their hands and stomping their feet. So, <laughs> I, so, I, so I, I did, I did you dabble in some music that. a little bit, man. I mean, and and the, the funny thing is, you say that is now that my our oldest is is into music, I'm actually oh, wow. getting back into it, into it, understanding that because I love the production side of it, yeah. like you know okay. the mixing, the mm-hmm. the. Uh, the audio engineering piece yeah, of it. Yeah. That's why electrical engineering was kind of, I stuck with that because I could, I felt like, oh, I, if I don't make it as an electrical engineer, I can always do music, music. production or something. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it was a, it was a multifaceted kind right. of a route. Um, and I think that's, we're talking about STEM. I think that was the power of STEM for me when I saw that. It was, it's this is another option. related to one thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a you broad can, you can do so yeah. much with it. You can accomplish yeah. with the yeah. stuff. What, what were you doing? Were you were you singing? Were you no, I was, I was producing. I was, I was producing and yeah, doing a little, bit, a little bit of MC work. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What was yeah. your stage name? So so I went by Illusion at the time. With the, hey, <laughs> hey, 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 hey. But I'm saying, I mean, you know. Illusion. 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 You know, but it's a bit of a literary term. But now I go by Seance. Seance. Seance, yeah. So What's that representative? So, so people would say I have I had a gift for gab and so so you do getting getting people to kind of speak speak up you know kind of inspirationally like people say you say out you you bring you bring the spirit into the Mm -hmm. room you're kind of doing that but from a positive standpoint okay where we're calling on our spirit to kind of to be here at this point you know so I want to I want all those positive vibes to be here and so with that music it's hopefully conjuring up those those spirits of positivity so that was the that was the premise of of seance yeah that's what's up he did. He snapped. He did. Can't say nothing after that. <laughs> I mean, you ask. I mean, because yeah, that's yeah. one of those things. Like a lot of people awesome. don't know. I just. I that's mean, we awesome. be dabble, but you never know what can happen in the future, bro. I mean, yeah, now technology never know. is yeah, here. So without you yeah. taking them steps, we don't even have an intro song to the podcast. So uh, we appreciate. Uh, it. Thank you, man. Thank you. Very nice. <laughs> yeah, and you, you said your son is is dabbling too. Yeah, he's dabbling. What's he doing? So he's doing like artistry as well. Nice. Um, he he's taking like artist tracks and stuff like that. So I'm like, yo, let me. I'm telling him, like, let me get up to speed so I can spit you some some tracks and you can do your, yeah. your lyricism on it and then we yeah. keep it in the house and stuff. Oh, but that's cool. that's just something we're going we gonna to play around with. But you never know. So That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> and I mean, multi-layered, you know? There you go. But just have fun with it, though. I exactly. Mean, that's, I think that's the thing, right? Like, people want to think going through the struggle, it has to be. It's tough. But when you have a support system, and, and once again, thank you guys, 
this is fun, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, and we get to to hopefully help wherever we can, and you know, you guys give us the platform to come and share our story now. So yeah, and I think one of the things that we also wanted to go over was the article that we sent you guys, um, and how it kind of talks about you know diversity and unity. Um, I mean, just speaking from you know the three of you have completely unique experiences, but are from the same place, right? Um, evidently, and how back in you know on the on the in the motherland is we're all from the same place we you know we try to be as united as possible but there's still so much diversity right um what do you think are some of like the themes that drew you guys to each other um like what when phil when you met al when al you met will and um, you know however it might be what would you say was like a few things that you noticed and you were like yo you know, I'm trying to rock with this guy. Man, I'm going to keep it G. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I met both of these cats from hooping. Mm-hmm. And that was just the start of it. So he ain't going he ain't gonna to like this, but I was busting ah! his ass ah! <laughs> on the court. Yeah. But no, nah, he, he was, because he, he, he a shooter. So we was going down. I'm giving him a bucket on one end of the court. He'll come down, he'll make a shot, and I'm like, okay, you know what I'm saying? Like, I see what you're doing, but I'm talking shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's what I do. Mm-hmm. I can be losing, I'm going to talk shit. Yeah. And then I, I'm, a, I'm a sore loser. I hate to lose. That's just me. But he was talking trash. I was talking trash. But at the end of the game, I won. But you know what I'm saying? At the yeah. end of the game, my team won. But it was all it was it was all good. Once the game was over, it's like, hey, what's up, man? Where you from? You know, that was my first question. Just uh my name Phil, where you from, bro? Mm-hmm. And he said Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bang. Right from that point. Yep. From That's that all point. you had to say. Right? right from that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But and it took me moving out here to understand that. Cause it's like, you know, as you go from different places, it's always good to be uh to put yourself around somebody that knows kind of like the the struggle or knows what you've been through. And coming from Chicago, if he's from there, we ask up each other a couple questions, where you go to high school, what schools you went to, what area are you from in Chicago's big city. Mm-hmm. You know, so but he told me from the South Side, Brother Rice, I got family members that went to Brother Rice, and it was just already like a connection between that. Mm-hmm. And then uh WB they were already cool and, and they'll tell you about how they got together but me and him were just you know we we knew each other from the court as well they played on the same team and then they were nice enough to invite me out because i was still new around the place they were saying hey we got a flag football team that we also play on right. won't you come through show us your skills you know and then we went out there and then we just knocked it up kicked it off like that so it was just all about that uh you know coming together piece and that uh you know black professional piece we knew mm-hmm. we were all from the same organization we were all trying to make a change out yep. here we were all trying to do something positive in our life he had a family going on already you know he was just uh i, I know he was uh he was lived in an area that was close to us so like the proximity was in a good uh it was within a good arena everything was right around each other so we're getting into that. And then uh, I had the pleasure of working on the same team with Will for uh, a couple of years. Yeah. And like when we got to that team, it was all black professionals. Oh, wow. And we was kicking ass, <laughs> man. You guys we, we was producing know. results. Well, there was at least, what, five, five yeah. uh, black people on the same That's team awesome. wow. with them going, which yeah. you don't see that no, often. Yeah. We're the Tuskegee Airmen. That's what I was going to say. Yes, you guys. The PA program. The PA program. We was making things happen, but then they they slowly but surely started. People started noticing. They was like, hold on. around the deck the wrong way. Miss Deal. Right, right. 
<laughs> so uh, a little so, too productive. Exactly, yeah. we was getting too many yep. results. So uh, we was able to teach me some things as him being a more seasoned uh, industrial engineer within the uh, within the group. He taught me some things before going on to his other ventures that he did. So we just kept that camaraderie between the three of us. He, I mean, we still live in close proximity to each other, but just all kind of on the same wavelength. I know he uh, pledged a Greek fraternity, and I pledged a different one, uh, Phi Beta Sigma fraternity. He's a member of Kappa Alpha Psi fraternity. Yep. Okay. So we already had kind of like, you know, as you get older within being Greek and being professional, it's just good to see other Greeks in uh, roles like this. And it doesn't matter what Greek at that point. When you're in college, it's all a feud. It's all a battle. Mm, yeah. As it's supposed to be. It still is. You know what I'm saying? It still is. We might throw slight jabs at each other. But <laughs> just knowing that he went through whatever he went through to pledge, because, you know, it all goes around the same core principles. Like we want to have brotherhood, scholarship service. That's what we stand by. So we uh, do community service around the area. We uplift different generations. And then just seeing that coming from Chicago to a place that's not as, uh, doesn't have as many black people when you first move out here. It's not, you don't see it as often as if you're in Illinois, you can see it right away, depending on what area you're in. So being in Seattle, we were able to be able to um, talk about different um community service things that we went through i know you're always out there as a representative of the fraternity doing things like the buying stuff for the kids mm -hmm. and i've always been a person for teaching the next generation i did all types of mentorships back at home and i was doing that as well so he gave me some avenues to reach out to for people that's also doing uh, like-minded things so it was just uh it was almost like big brothers to me when i met them Al WB, they were just able to take me under the wing and just show me around and just keep me uh, grounded and let me know that, you know, professionals out here, black men out here doing their thing, staying on the uh, right uh, mindset, having the right path. And you always got to have people within your circle that's doing uh, positive things. So it gives you things to look up to and look forward to. Sure. So just seeing that them and they talk about how they met each other. <laughs> uh, well. I met Al through playing poker. Ooh. I was playing a lot, a lot, a lot of poker. Um, Maybe I haven't really talked about it that much in podcasts. We haven't talked about poker in general, period. Right, for but, real. Uh, I was playing online poker, but when it was legal online, um, when I first got out here, that's like, what is that, 207 ish? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I was playing on Poker Stars. I was playing multi table tournaments, 45 man, 90 man, sit and goes, playing between 10 to 12 tables, depending um, on Poker Stars. So I was just going home off of work. Um, I didn't know that many people, so I just start fueling my energy into mm -hmm. that. That was my hustle. So um, just playing poker, trying to at least get like a thousand games in a month, playing after work. And then eventually I got the invitation to go to a party. So I went out there, I'm cool, and I see them playing poker. I'm like, oh man, I can't wait. <laughs> so playing poker, playing cards, and I was there. And uh, I think I was, I did very well. I'm not going to say if I took his money or not, <laughs> but uh, I was just playing well. And we just had just different conversations kind of go from, went from there. I gave him a, um, a poker book and he read that and he just kind of um, took it to the next level before he was calling me the professor. And then now he's kind You're of a professor, professor now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we haven't played a little bit, but um, it was always him pushing me mentally to change my game up and to think about the game differently. Um, not as robotic as just making those standard plays or whatever you just do because you're in certain mathematical situations that you know you need to do a positive EV move, whether it be just going all in or checking or raising. Um, so from there, that's how kind of how we kicked out and um, we just got our friendship going from there. 
and over the years and he's gone on to have two lovely children and I'm the guy Pappy <laughs> and, and him and his wife just seeing them grow too so we've just been friends for a long time seeing each other go through our own struggles on ups and downs and went from there and I think with Phil it's just mostly about vibe like he's a good a young gun came in and he wasn't the typical young person who you hear about who don't who doesn't like to come in and listen to others' experiences, yeah. who doesn't have the patience or the time and thinks they can do all by themselves and do better than you and just shine on you because I'm young. Um, so it was from that standpoint, we were just able to just talk about what we do and it just kind of passed down to him and he, yeah. he just let us know what he's going through or what things ha has happened in life or ways we can help each other out or ways we can just serve each other. And then from there, we just kind of kept a G like that. And the podcast just kind of came to, into fruition because we were just always in the morning meeting up and just kind of, we used to call it the men's meeting, just talk, kind of our therapeutic session. And from there, we're like, man, we talk about a lot of good stuff that mm -hmm. we put on wax. Yep. So mm -hmm. that's kind of how it, um, it came from there. Yeah. Is, yeah. is that how you remember? Yeah, no, I mean, for real, for real. Other than me, you know, being, I was, I was thinking I was, went to professor a little quicker. From student to professor. No, I'm just giving you It was untime bounded. You see know, this guy? I, I got to give you some jabs too. No, but I think the they they I mean literally they they summed it up, man. I don't need to go back into it. But the, I think the crux of it there is it happened organically, man. Mm -hmm. Like 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 it wasn't like like forced, right? It wasn't like hey, you need to be my friend because we can we can capitalize off friendships. It was like. We came for, we were literally just hooping. I mean, that's yeah. what I'm saying. I think it was just more, we were there trying to work out. I see another black dude. I'm like, cool. All right, okay, he can hoop. Ain't talking smack. Oh, I didn't even know he's from Chicago to after the game. That was, a, that was the yeah. coldest part. But I was like, it's, I was like, he ain't from here though, because it's just, it's a language, right? Yeah. It's yeah. almost like a dance. Like you can, you know, okay, that's salsa they doing. You know what I'm saying? Like they ain't doing this out here. Mm -hmm. Like they wouldn't, they wouldn't give you that little, oh. that little stub Bro, jab step a, out this here. Is no video it wasn't. Out here. He I'm just saying. There was something about, you know what I'm saying, the way he carried himself yeah. that was unlike you a lot like, of cats that yeah. I've hooped yeah. with out here mm -hmm. since I've mm -hmm. been out here. And I was like, that's why I was like, bro, I was like, where are you from, man? He was like, Chicago. I was like, oh, enough said. And because we had, we had already had a relationship through the hoop. Because you can build relationships by, like, some people say you know somebody when you fight them or something. You hear about that? Yeah. Same thing when you play against them in a sport. Sports, you, you know, competing. you can, yeah. you can yeah. kind of yeah. see yeah. how their, their mentality yeah. is because you know the mental the mental tax it has on you. So, if you know, if they're making these type of decisions, well, they, they might be wired this way a little yeah. bit. And yeah. so, when he said Chicago, it was, I mean, literally, it was just like that. I was like, all right, he cool. He started off at a good level. Now, he could either take it higher or he could take it lower. But I was like... I'm at least check him out. He seemed real cool. Yeah. He was talking smack, but afterwards he was a hey, good game, man. Yeah. You know, high five. And I was like, that's all up integrity. Mm -hmm. Cool. You know, manners. Yes. Yeah. That's that's just the baseline of any relationship. And so the same thing with WB. Like, I didn't know I was going to meet him now. I'm just there with some friends. We play at poker. And then he's like, oh, I'm new in town. We got a common thing here. Friends are common. And so then from that point on, like when he gave me that literature, he was like, yo, read this book. You know, if you're really serious about it, he's like, I saw him doing something. And it wasn't out of envy. I saw him playing poker online. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yo, I really enjoy the game. I could probably make a little extra money, you know what I'm saying, just to be able to do something else yeah. and maybe build that up to a career or whatever. So, thinking in a different way. Exactly. Right? And so from that point on, I knew he wasn't selfish. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I knew it was mutual. I knew it wasn't just, he just out trying to get me. Yeah. Because that's, unfortunately, when you're born in that type of environment in Chicago, these certain, these urban areas... Yo, it's it's kind of that crab in the in the bucket mentality sometimes, yeah. right? And yeah. you have to switch that 
or at least be aware of that that mentality is is not that doesn't define who you are mm-hmm. right you know what i'm saying I, I i could see that in them two guys right yeah, but without even yeah. them having to speak it was in there it was in there the way they carried themselves. and that crab in the buckle mentality is so crazy because if you're pulling somebody else down, that means that's less room for you to even get out yeah, of yeah, the yeah, bucket yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, but it's uh, a logical thought, though. See, right. most people don't—they don't—they might not take that deep and think about it that way. It's just mm-hmm. what can it, what can it be in for me? And that's the selfishness. And that's the extra force that yeah. you're utilizing trying to pull somebody else down instead of pulling yourself mm. up. And uh, just coming full circle with just how we met, Nipsey said it the best. What of our investments have become strategic? Mm-hmm. Like the stuff that we invest in our time in the podcast and just being around each other three black men and then being able to do this with you guys you know what i'm saying is uh the strategic mindset that we're able to use in order to use our platforms to broaden each other in mm-hmm. terms of uh understanding more about culture understanding more about you know your struggles is the more we're able to help each other in these different aspects because we're able to lend a hand and let people know hey i got these type of resources and just in my realm yep. or you got these in your realm or yours and we're able to uh, lean on each other and say okay and it came from a point where I understand, like you said, not being selfish, that they were able to hand those out and just hand them out with no, you know, uh, no regards to saying like, this is just mine. I'm going to just keep hold to all of this knowledge and I don't want to express it or let anybody else get into it. So mm-hmm. them being so open with uh, teaching and uh, paying it forward and lending down these, uh, lending down the knowledge as well as other you know, people is just giving you that baseline to work off of and that uh, that framework to work with. Mm-hmm. so it's been mm-hmm. uh, definitely and and like i said this is amazing for us and the reason why we're asking you guys these questions is we're we're trying to understand too as in terms of you know where how different let's say our experiences could have been and where we're from because you know a lot of the times like for me i would say like i didn't have you know african-american friends until move here and i live here and you know at first you're like i wonder how they grew up i wonder what you know influences they have you know what so it's almost like i wouldn't call it a disconnect but my brother always calls it um distant cousins like two cousins and then we just met you know so it's like you know i you, you know about your cousin in america and you stand to think like they're totally different from you they have different experiences you know and then you're here in africa and then you know most likely in collegiate environment you meet each other and you're like I didn't know, like, oh, oh, wait, you know, like, mm-hmm. you can just relate to each other. Same thing. I would meet Ivan. Same thing you guys would talk about, like, random, you know, go to a fashion show, you know, we're both there supposed to be models. And then <laughs> next minute, he's like, I don't know, then conversation start. And then same thing, like how you would say, oh, where are you from? I'm like, hey, where are you from? Oh, yeah, I'm from Uganda. Oh, Uganda. Oh, yeah, I'm from Gambia. And bang. You know, yeah. we got to come so, back to that model thing. You know? Just don't skirt over that. <laughs> yeah, like, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, we'll get through that. So it, it, it's you know it's really interesting because both me and Ivan are curious. You know, we we and and that's where we'll go into. It's times of understanding. You know, like our brotherhood and I experience it, and just to understand that you know we're all the same. Like we you know we're all brothers. You know, we might come from different environments, different settings, but like the interactions you guys had, how raw it is, how you guys build relationship. It's basically the same thing, yeah, I mean, right. yeah. But and now we want to put that in terms of you know like improving our unity across both ends. And I guess the thing we first wanted to put in it's just not a question to anybody. It's like, what were your first interactions when you started meeting not only just Africans, people from Africa, grow with Africa? Like, what were your first interactions, impressions, you know, or perceptions you had had, and how did that? How has that built so far? 
let me let me take that first because um I think mine is kind of unique because I once again I go back to the context of my mother and where she was at in a community hospital that's where she worked and so when I would I would get dropped off later on in my in my you know academic career like you know, maybe eighth grade high school or something or when I started driving I would meet her at work you know what I'm saying and it was all different countries represented there you know what I'm saying and so that's what I really learned about the Yoruba tribe. You know, mm-hmm. because she was working with folks from Yoruba tribe, and I had a, a research paper, of course. And this is before the before the YouTubes and yeah. the and the and the Google internet. Library, yeah, the library, encyclopedia. But 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 no, but I mean, I say that to say this because it was that interaction right there that really I had to go and do the research with her and understand it because she was like I'm like eighth grade, like you know, high school ish. She's just trying to give me all the facts, mm-hmm. the raw facts, because. We might go to the library. That's like the PDA not there. Yeah. You know, there's no Google. Give me, you know, whatever. You have to go physically get the information. And so resources, once again, being scarce. She was there, had a raw connection with one of the one of her teammates was like, hey, I want to learn more. My son is doing a project. Oh, where are you from? You were. Oh, OK. And so now that was my first interaction. But I'm coming at it from another place of. Mm-hmm. They're just like us. You see yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, but I'm getting yeah. it at an early age, but I didn't understand how that would shape my interactions going to college because I just walked in like, yo, what's up? How y'all? Hey, we. Oh, okay. It's di- okay. I- and then I realized it was yeah. a- just a difference yeah. because I didn't see it, right? Yeah. Because my mother had already set the relationship for me to see that it, sh- it shouldn't be their boundary there because she's working with folks from Africa. You know, yeah. that's what they do. They coming over here bringing their money over here and then sending it back right yep. or, t- or bringing the resources from there to here to learn so yep. they can bring all that stuff back and so th- i had my first experience there but when i got to college of course one of my boys i shouted out i just we just naturally was was cool i didn't have any ill will i just knew it was different mm-hmm. but i was like yo we we learning and so i learned over the course of four years you know what that plight was and so i i get it now so i never came at it from a place of i just don't know mm-hmm. it was just okay there is different when I get a chance to learn like we're learning now, I'm just going to take it and really understand it so I can be better for it. So, yeah. Yeah, for for me, my aspect, it came from uh, collegiate. So when I went to college, getting into, like, uh, pledging my fraternity, um, I had the opportunity to uh, pledge with two guys from Nigeria, and they were uh, Yoruba as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you're on the wall pledging, when you're doing going through the process, uh, understanding the process to get into the fraternity, you're broken down to the least amount. Like you're very humble at that point in time. So you're doing this month on day by day by day for months, for months, for months, trying to uh, get into the fraternity. So you're you, you're being broken down to, you know, the least you're like you're so tired, you're reluctant to depend on each other like they're your brother, like they're your family. So me doing it with these, like I, I pledge it was five of us total. Like I said, uh, three guys from Chicago, two dudes from Nigeria. Um, so we were able to become like real transparent with each other. Like these are the things that I'm going through. This is my family. You know, my like my uh, my brother Oluwaro Timmy. You mm-hmm. know, met him yeah. when he came out here. Uh, they became some of the closest friends that I have. But he was able to give me the insight on, like, these are the type of things we're going through in terms of my family. Like, my sister just moved out here from Nigeria. I got family out here, but they live in Texas. And I'm they're starting to become my family because I'm mm-hmm. caring about them as well. Just because it's uh, my buddy, he's uh, he's trying to be like that uh, 
that role model for them because they coming from America and he's trying to teach them like English and how to, you know, talk the language and stuff like that. So he would uh, teach me these things. And then I had another uh, Afiz Abioye. He actually moved down to Texas recently. Um, he was a little bit older, so he was teaching me the same aspects. And he was also in the STEM field. So he was teaching me like how to go through STEM and how to uh, transpire through uh, learning all of the things for industrial engineering. Mm -hmm. So it started with that pledge of my fraternity, like I said, being humble from that aspect. So I was telling him about growing up in Illinois, how I was in the Chicago on the South side, because in Chicago is really broken out. The South side is more so all African-American. When you go up north is where you see more people from Africa. African. Okay. More African. A little bit on the west side, too? Or? A little bit on the west side as well, because it really broke out Chicago right in the middle. On the south side is where they moved people from, like, the, the projects. Gentrification happened. We moved to the south side. And then out west side, west is like where the Bulls play, mm. west side of Chicago. And then the north side is where Wrigleyville and stuff like that. And that's where you see people from Nigeria, Ghana, all the different types in, in Africa. Did the, did the communities, you're talking about the African community and let's say south side African community, just even thinking about in terms of interactions, you can look at it in terms of businesses, schools, and, you know, in terms of sharing that wealth could be within the community mm -hmm. was that there was there interaction or it was pretty much secluded each community it, stayed within their own it was very it was segregated mm -hmm. it was it was all split more or up. less right yeah, yeah more or less split up so mm -hmm. my uh like i said my uh african bros they had uh restaurants in the north side mm -hmm. so we would go get the jollof rice we would go get the goat <laughs> yeah, yeah. we would go get all the food and stuff mm -hmm. and then like they they introduced me to their family and their family took me like they were just you know they took me in as they knew that the fraternity process yeah. and how that goes and they knew what we went through because they seen you know the product of the environment yep so they seen us going through this and becoming brothers with each other in that sense so uh being introduced and like i've been to what, three nigerian weddings and just experiencing the culture that you can mm -hmm. go through there it's events yeah. those things last for days yeah. those things oh i was tired just standing i was a groomsman and two of them and oh. i'm just standing there man it was it was but it was so fun <laughs> It was so exciting to see that because I had never experienced that before, and just the embellishing the love and the gifts and just the whole, um, the whole, the culture around it and the whole blessing and love that was all shared there. So that was like a real good time for me to be able to experience that with them and actually feel like I was close to them. So being able to share that is that's how it started with me in terms of being introduced to people from Africa or mm -hmm. my African brothers. African, yeah. Oh, yeah, I would say more so collegiate to well briefly, but not really hard until I got out to Seattle. Um, then I met one of my good friends, Bruno, out here. Um, Manchester, out to Bruno. Manchester United too. fan, he always had the jerseys too. Yeah. I was Bruno was actually it. one of my uh, my LB, it was just one of his good friends. So, they play soccer yeah, together, great. Shot. yeah. So, <laughs> met through him, and then um, I kind of got tapped into his network and just um, seeing how he moved and everything. and and just expanded out to just meeting more African people. Um, my boy Bobby Blast, he's Nigerian too. DJ Alex, um, but Alex as well too. Yeah. Alex, Alex real, Mubo. Real, yeah, yeah, from yeah. Liberia. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, there's something that's just for me. What well, I just see something different in their brains, especially just in terms of that hustle. That uh, what we need to do to make sure that we make it, and that pushing yourself, and always thinking about what's the next thing that and way that I can possibly make some type of money out of this situation not by scamming people but what type of business moves can i make what type entrepreneurship, of problem just that um, entrepreneurship and it's like always is there ingrained. And it's yeah. just ingrained in them yeah. um 
but that's something that my biggest takeaway because um, I really didn't have that many more stereotypes. Maybe the goat meat, fufu, raw, <laughs> on another end, seeing, yeah. seeing how cool they were in their community that they had together. Because um, I was starting to just work out more, so playing soccer with them occasionally, things like that. Um, that's how I got to know them. Yeah, no, that's that, no. You touched on that yeah. too, like just that 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 go get them, bro. Like I mean, every I, I ain't trying to. I'm not those stereotype, but I mean, this is a good one if you don't use it. Mm-hmm. You just they just go get it. Like mm-hmm. it's just no. There's no, I quit, you know, because I mean, I'm talking about, like, we talked about it, I think, before yep. like, on our podcast, yep. like, yep. Uh, Io, my, shout out to Io, I mean, he's a president of the bank now, but that dude was 16 when he came to, he's taking classes with me and myself, well, yeah, I'm like, hey, what's up, man, you, what you doing here? Yep. He's like, I'm taking the class, I'm like, bro, you just, you, I thought you was a freshman, he's like, he's like, I am, I was like, what do you... <laughs> He's like, I had all them credits before. Like, what do you before what? Like, yeah. so that, but it wasn't just him. Like, I mean, yeah. literally, like, like David. I mean, he's That's what you entrepreneur, yeah. but built his business up. You know, this guy's on design farm. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I, I'm just saying, like, the, it was the go get it. Like, I need to succeed at any cost, but it doesn't mean that I have to give up my soul yeah. at any cost. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So that's when I was like, just admired. I was like, bro, like, I was like, yo, you're taking like 25 credit hours or some crazy shit. He's like, yeah, I only got three. I only got three years here. I gotta get out. I'm like, you ain't gonna just take it, you know, 15 here. He's like, no, no, I gotta get out three. I'm taking 25. I got. I'm like, bro, you gotta get signed off on all that over 20 hours or something, yeah. and working yeah. full time. Wow, he didn't have the luxury, bro. Bro, I was like, but he was at the parties too, though, and got and got straight A's. I was like, yo, but it was that work ethic that I was like, yeah. I admired yeah. it. I was like, that's cold. And that's it cold. was the, uh, another thing. It was like uh, they kept it 100. Yeah, I always say that like uh, my boys they kept it 100 they didn't sugarcoat things it was nothing about sugarcoating if if something was the way it was like my boy was just like hey the family we gonna keep it like this when I first went to meet his family it was like this is how it's gonna be they don't expect because he had to hide his he had tattoos and brands he had to hide all these like don't say nothing <laughs> nothing about this to my mom and yeah. stuff like that so I was like yeah for sure and just like no sugarcoating it just, just keeping it 100 with me and I'm the type of person that works off vibes Mm-hmm. So like if we vibing right, I can't fake kick it, I can't phony kick it. I just won't be, I can't thrive in that type of environment. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. like just being real with me and just keeping it one hundred and just being able to express yourself and be becoming open because you know if I got the vibe and I can sense it with somebody, opening myself up and actually having conversations, like I'm good at actually trying to like uh, understand and cope with who I'm talking to and what type of environment I'm in. I won't open up to just anybody, but if I feel genuine vibes from you. And I feel like you're giving me that same type of vibe back. Mm-hmm. I feel like we can flourish with that. And they always made me feel in that right mindset because I lived with one of them. He actually opened up his crib to me when we was in the process of pledging. He said, hey, I got a crib that I'm uh, renting out right here. My roommates are gone for the summer. Stay here. It's all good. <laughs> Throw me a little bit for food and stuff and rent. And it was just like, I didn't even ask for it. He was just like, hey, we're going to be doing this together. We're going to stick together at this point in time. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. you know, he gave me a place That's to lay the head, and I'll never forget that. So, That's love, yeah. Shout out. That's awesome. Yeah. What's your, yeah, what do you, that's I mean, amazing from hearing it. Such, like, diverse experiences, but still, like, one in the same. Yeah. Um, it's, like, common themes you see through it where it's, like, brotherhood and, you know, um, just overall being real with their situation and being real with you. So, um, I think before we kind of segue into our last bit, <clears throat> I just want to stress how that diversity is present within unity and how important it is because, I mean, it's got all of us in this room to where we are today. Yeah. And, you know, we want to use this platform especially to, to bridge that, that 
you know, apparent gap between, you know, our, our distant cousins and us, you know, mm-hmm. where it's yes, sir. for for some reason it does exist while it shouldn't. It's like, a yeah, it's like you an know? invisible bridge or something. Yeah, you know? where we, we didn't even know it was there. Exactly. Like, we just, we we just yeah. felt something, yeah. but it was like, well, why? And it, and it just goes back to just perspectives and I think things that we were taught, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Even mm-hmm. because... It was set up that way. It was. It was set up. It's straight up. It's set up because until we have personal experiences of meeting people and Mm -hmm. understanding and they're like, this is my brother. This is my sister. Until then, we're just, there's that bridge is there. That gap is not there where we're not being educated on, hey, you have cousins here in America, cousins here in South America, in the Caribbean, you know, they were taken away from you. They were probably your brother and sister if you go back years ago um where until we meet them and build actual relationships and we realize we're the same that doesn't happen and to put into context like all of us we got that chance but there's still a large number you know people in african communities they can come live in america for 25 30 years no interactions with Mm -hmm. it's like different people oh yeah that's them Mm -hmm. yeah you know and i'm sure same thing to black americans that you know live in the same town Years, they full time, they don't have huge interaction and it's so much opportunity lost mm-hmm. knowing, you know, with same people that we have not, you know, had that connection. Yeah. And I think it's all comes with like, uh, like I always say, we are a product of all the decisions mm-hmm. that we made in our life mm-hmm. and all the decisions that we made in our life got us to be here at this yep. one moment. You know what I'm saying? So like something's working. I try to look at the positives and everything. Something's working and getting the ball rolling to get us to the point where we're at right now because we're. Look at what we're doing. Yeah. We're, we're creating. Together. We're creating. We're bridging together two podcasts, two platforms. We can get the message out to even more people. Yeah. We'll be able to touch more people. So, like, we're doing things in a positive aspect. And I think is if the more you do things for the good, the more you give back, the more you teach the next generation, the more you pay it forward, the more you're going to get replenished with that same type of love and that uh, generational wealth. You get, to, you get blessed with opportunities. And you just got to take those opportunities and learn from them. If they come to the point where people say they made mistakes or lessons learned, you, you, you get knowledge from those lessons. And those are the assets that you use to build generational wealth. Generational yeah. wealth is a, a, a pass down of, of assets. And it doesn't have to be monetary, like you said. It can be knowledge based, like you said. Yeah. And it can be like uh, what things you can take with you. Mm-hmm. And it's not always about money. It's that knowledge. It's that core piece. It's that family piece. It's that, you know, saying it's everything. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It goes deeper. Exactly. Um, yeah, just trying to get rid of that invisible barrier, man. Yeah, yeah. for we sure. Gotta bridge that gap. We have to bridge that gap. And mm-hmm. to help bridge that gap, um, for what we're going to do here right now, we're going to go into a little African history studies. Oh, yeah. Little <laughs> session. Oh, boy. Oh, little yeah. session. So, you know, oh, let's go. Quick let's see. Uh, but before right. I even... See the sweat on my face? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we have a trivia for you guys. But even before we get to the trivia, um, I sent... Um, it was a it was more of a publication on African studies on uh, history. More of a summary goes through the pre-colonial Africa, how our history was, oral, myth, religion, all that, um, to colonial, to post, and in terms of regions, countries. So I'll share it to you guys and um, just wanted to hear your opinions right now of what you guys saw from it in terms of the different cultures, different languages. You saw West Africa, how the king and how it was set up mm-hmm. in terms of the systems, you know, and what's your take on it from reading? What did you guys Man. learn a little bit about our history? What I learned... Europeans are trash. Yeah, man. <laughs> Bruh, to like, say the least. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. To say like, the least. Mm-hmm. 
it's it's clearly evident that they are at the root of the problem. Yep. They came through. They just chopped up Africa. They're like, hey, you know what? Let's just go chop this land up. Yeah, I want no type of representation. Mm-hmm. So that that's why some of them came, supposedly came to America, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they just came through there and just chopped it up. Right, and all the only thing they had to do is just make sure that they go over there and have um have some type of people over there mm-hmm. and they capture it and then, and then it's there. Like, how do you even make that call? Mm-hmm. And then to force people into wars with um muskets when you got machine guns yep. and all this extra yeah, stuff and then you gotta go through and, and have people signing stuff that they don't know it was just yeah, real grimy man yep. like real it, it, it left a bitter taste in my mouth but it's I'm happy similar. to see it was Thanks, written Adam. down in that form and fashion so it can teach the next generation about what really went down in Africa at exactly. the end of the day yep. and um, initially when I first had skimmed through it I was like well why didn't they include more True about things. some of the other black people and black things back in the day but it's supposed to be in an addition to what you are already teaching them anyway yep. mm-hmm. but with that being said I thought it was overall it was a great publication it was good to see that they are doing something to enable the resources to let people know about the true Africa and what mm-hmm. really goes mm-hmm. on and, and make sure that that is spread throughout not only the classroom but the community as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, just yeah. to bridge on what he's saying, just the fact that it's being taught down and I think he said K through 12 is mm-hmm. the, 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 was the target audience. The, the target audience. Mm-hmm. So being able to instill the things and uh, within your mind, like you said, it's about what you should already know as well as giving you like an introductory cla- crash course on this is uh, some of the stepping stones or this is some of the uh, main facts about Africa about how the colonialism and uh, the apartheid movement, all that stuff was able to be initialized there and actually giving us that knowledge. Cause like we always say, uh, in order to gain, it's to, you gotta gain knowledge and learn about your history. So and able to teach that and give those type of views out to the target audience at a younger age, all the way up to when you're adult and understand the information a little bit better. I feel like uh, that was good. And that uh, part of it was, uh, something that i feel like is positive and trying to teach the next generation yeah yep. for sure and it was for me it was just having the, the source be pure because i always talk about that a lot because yeah you know if europeans teach it it's a different it's a different different story right and so just understanding that the african culture is based on you know oratorial mm-hmm. type of type of passing down of, of, of wealth yeah. right of, of mm-hmm. knowledge and that being the, the thing and and like we were saying um how they came in there and just really just systematically kind of separated and, and and kind of had it to a point where you you didn't know what your culture was. It was yep. watered down uh-huh. to the point. And I mean, I think that's the that's the the thing that I hope this next generation really gets. And I had to learn that too, just understanding my own personal history. And I think we talked about that on the podcast as well, understanding that the how deep your history goes back. Mm-hmm. So you really can understand the true version of who you are because all of our decisions, literally, like we talked about, the, all our decisions are based on the knowledge we had at that time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, if, and that, I think that publication was in 2003, which is, which is 17 years yep. beforehand. And so, yep. if we were to write that again this this time, I mean, I think it would be a, a lot more information, a lot more information from up-to-date sources, right? Exactly. So, so, I looked at it from a different perspective of when it was written, kind of that perspective of how, how things have changed, but they have not, right? Exactly. Like, like mm. But understanding that there was some initiative to try to actually teach the the actual culture of Africa, you know what I'm saying, in a, in a pure way, bringing people from the tribes to actually teach that, mm-hmm. and in the in the in the manner which I think is honorable, you know, actually storytelling. Um, but 
it, it was just kind of it was kind of sad. I mean, just yeah, kind of, it was, yeah. and it was just to see how strategically evil everything was. Because after they did all this, it'd be like, "Hey, you used to run the block, right? Yep. How about you run this for me?" And yep. just to undermine your your leadership mm-hmm. in that area, so people were like, "We don't trust these people anymore." Mm-hmm. Um, to even further draw a line between it and um, all the resources, is all about money and all about wealth, and it's just so sad to, to see that that's really how things went down, and it also brought me more education as to why there were personal, like, personal beefs, quote-unquote, why there are different civil wars happening within these places, because mm-hmm. they were never meant to be to each other. The only reason exactly. that is because somebody yeah, came in redlining yep. the district, Propaganda, yep. trying to put people together that shouldn't really this way, be. They right. think that way. Yeah. Don't worry about them. Don't go over there and get your own knowledge. This is because, and that's why it's that's so like, important, man. That's like if, if, if Africa just went over to Europe and said, you know what? <laughs> Germany's of the Nazis and we have Jewish people. We're just going to put y'all in the same that's neighborhood. That's one yeah. country, guys. Yeah. Yeah. One yeah, country. yeah. Y'all just go ahead and live together, yeah. fight it out, mm-hmm. see what you do. Mm-hmm. Who would ever do yeah. that, right? But they just came through and did that. And, it, and I think it's so crazy how overlooked it is, too, because it's like it was a bunch of white men who came yeah. together. And they sat together in Berlin, and they were like, "Berlin Conference." Oh, you know, um, yeah, you could have this, you could have this, but before you claim sovereignty over it, you know, occupy it first. And of course, nobody's just gonna let you come in and take their home, right. you know, just like that. And so, it leads to things like bloodshed, and you know, where, you know, they're forcefully coming into a continent and yeah. then stripping it of everything, everything. You know? all the identity. Yeah, and and you know, to 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 add to it, and why the education is actually. It's kind of hard to do research on Africa. And the article, you know, it mentioned there's free text and there's fixed text in yeah. terms of how our history was passed down. So fixed text, as in we had what the griots were, people in kingdoms who their whole job was just to preserve that history and pass it down, sing about it. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, your history can kind of, you can kind of keep it. But, you know, what if you lose a griot and they no longer exist? You've lost a little history. Yeah. So a European comes and knows that these guys don't write down their history. We, you know, mm. for the most part, it's through oral. So it's very easy to divide and conquer. And mm. a whole other region where it's fixed texts, as in they don't even have designated people in society who their whole job is to pass out oral history to griots. So it's like what they mentioned, like it's the telephone way of, you know, that telephone game. He said this, another person. So... Our history, the way it was orally, Mm -hmm. it was prime time for, you know, a predator or like the Europeans to come in and, you know, use the divide and conquer. Mm -hmm. And and I remember my dad one time, you know, he was telling me about cities in West Africa, how a lot of the capitals, they're on the coast. Mm -hmm. And he said, if you go, if you just study Africa and just understand how the Europeans really build a really complex system where they can just extract and be rich off of us all the european countries where we see them they're rich their wealth is because of africa mm-hmm. pretty much how they took our raw materials mm-hmm. if you go to west africa even now you'll notice most of the capital by the coast right and if you go to some of these capitals by the coast how the colonials used to set it up they did it by the coast of course for access to the sea to go to europe mm-hmm. and then as you go inland there are a lot of there will be railroads set up um, so those railroads are literally going to where the raw material is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so where the diamond and the road travels. That's how they that's how they build. And you know, you if you just study, you know, and like if anybody just studied our geography, yeah. we our cities, even how our whole geography was made, was specifically designed for these European nations to extract our resources, our raw materials, get it inland, tracks, train tracks, 
roads that goes to the coast. Right, the That's where the capital is. Ship it. And, and prior go. to that, mm-hmm. you look at like slave trade routes yep. Right? Yep. at the Atlantic, <laughs> it's, this, the yeah. Indian Ocean through there, and it's like. Yep. It was so strategic. Very strategic. It's never been done before. It was planned. But the thing about it also, the playbook is still going on. Because then you talk about America, you come over here. You put us in shackles. You you don't give us the resources. Then, okay, we'll let some out. Education is key. Mm -hmm. Now you're in educational debt. So you're getting money to lend to me, which slaves black people help yeah. get you mm-hmm. and then go call yourself lending it back to you us mm-hmm. and charge an interest yeah, on it to keep us in the same like to learn about bro, the things like, that we should the be playbook learning. is so cold man they cold. Got the, it really is they got the they, super all mad they, playbook they, they, they really, <laughs> i mean it, it's, it's debt, crazy man. i mean and we can we can talk about this for you know it can go on to layers you know what i was just checking reading like a few days ago and there's actually a movement in in england and in belgium for the museums, for do we realize that most of our African artifacts are, you know, our monuments or yep. you know anything with arts and crafts, you know, it's in museums in Europe. In Europe, yeah. Mm-hmm. So all like they most they they accounted for it is like especially like the Europeans they took all our art. Mm-hmm. It's in museums, you know. So we don't even have our art. You can't go like you can't go. Yeah. Like, if I wanted to understand my African history and understand, see my Europe, I have to go to Belgium, to a museum there, and see, you know, what they all stole from the land, and they have there in glasses. That's a nice mask. That's where you get that perspective. And that's exactly like, when I saw that scene in Black Panther, Black Panther. I was like, yeah, yeah. It's really powerful when you saw it in Black Panther, because I'm like, this is not a movie, this is what it is real life, you know? They took everything, in in Belgium, you go to their palace, huge palace, and they talk about like King Leopold, he killed over 15 million people in Congo. He called them animals. You know? So, and this was, you know, this was not long ago. This was a little bit over 100 years ago that, you know. So it, it really puts it into perspective. Man, I ain't going to lie, man. The European white people, they might be the most dangerous people <laughs> of all time, bro. Yeah. Man. <laughs> they might talk about, and they, they talk about, yeah, ter- they worry about terrorists? Yeah. yeah. Come, come really? Gets, it gets swept under the, the rug. Hey, I ain't gonna go no more, man. I wanna make sure we keep the lights on in this piece. <laughs> <laughs> man, no, man. yeah, for sure, for sure. But yeah, our history, our history, you know, this is this is what we it's always interesting to try and study and learn. And you know, we talk about the frustrations, but you know, like we were talking about we had if people know too how powerful we were before um the colonialists came, we were more powerful than them. You know, I always look at it from my end is they just had the gun before us. Mm. That's how I look at it. Yeah. They yeah. had the gun before us. And but, germs too. Yeah. And germs. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Because, you know, they, they were in awe. They yeah. came, they found kingdoms. They, didn't, they never had a man, Musa. you know, mm-hmm. who, who could, uh, you know, the richest man we've ever known to world. We had the resources, you know, we had complex cities, you know, so... You know, and there are a lot of readings on that. And, you know, me and Will were just sharing some across where you can understand our civilization. So in terms of it's always we can be frustrated. I was like, I can be frustrated. It's good to be aware of, you know, our history, what damage the Europeans have done to us. I um, mean, you know, but also it's always also good to understand, you know, in terms of to maybe proud and just know that, hey, you know, screw that. Like we are like kings and queens. Yes, sir. You know, yes, this sir. is this is who we were. We are not going to let, you know colonialism that you know led to slavery led to political instabilities in our african countries till today the you know 
being third world countries, you know, they made us this, but you know, we're not gonna let that hold us back. Exactly. You know, so exactly. I really hate that word. Yeah. Third, world third world country. Countries. You know, they just call us third world countries. Well, someone called us shithole countries. Yeah, you know, you know somebody. Uh, yeah. It's so bad. Then why are they yeah. going over there right. taking everything? But, yeah. but it was not a shithole country when you stole all our resources. You know, right. when you know, like Congo, that gold you, yeah, right. you know, from that, diamond you know? South Africa. What Coffee. did? They, what did it say? Like thirty. Most of the world, like they they export gold more than anyone. Yeah. Guess what? What happened there? Apartheid. You know. All this so, like, uh, cobalt. Cobalt. Comes from Congo, Congo. They kill fifteen million so people. 80%. Why? Because what? Sixty to percent of the world. We don't have any of these computers. If it wasn't for exactly. Congo, we don't have iPhones. Exactly. Yeah. Probably, you know? So you know. Those precious metals. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. The more you know. Ivory. Well, I've been, anyway. Yeah. Um. We want to get into this tri- this trivia. We have a little trivia. Oh, oh boy! Yeah. <laughs> first gonna question. get the first question. Uh, I'm gonna give this to Al. Okay. Wait. wait. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. So the first question. Thinking caps. Is uh, what is the second longest river in Africa? Is it A the Nile, B the Congo, C Niger, or D Zambezi River? The second longest river. Yeah. The second longest. Gosh, at least I know the Nile is is the longest, right? Yeah. I feel like who wants to be a millionaire? Let me call wifey. She's she's part Nigeria. Um, no, what's the other uh, the other one? It's not the Nile. I know that. So you got B Congo, C Niger, or D Zambezi. Ooh. Dang man! All right. I'm going with C. C? C. Is that your final answer? Yeah. Uh, it's actually B, the Congo. The it was Congo. Uh, oh, no, no. I, that was like, I, I, was, too, I, was, I was very close. That, to was, that, was, that was too, that was too, <laughs> oh, it's too obvious though. Like, yeah. That country is something else. Yeah. You know, I need to do some more research. Congo yeah, is same. like, if Wakanda was real life, it would be Congo. Hmm. Wow. Like in terms of resources, what they have, their rainforest, you know, the river. Mm-hmm. They have every resources. I mean, you can think of cobalt, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that would be Wakanda. <laughs> Question two: I'm gonna get this to WB. All right. <clears throat> the Mino were an all-female army in modern day. Where is it? A. Central African Republic. B. Benin. C. Namibia. Or D. Senegal. The Mino? The Mino. They were female warriors, right? Yeah. Portrayed in Black Panther 2. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All female army. Mm -hmm. Man. I didn't get that. Fearless. Fearless. They were fearless. You know, the the women in the red Mm -hmm. in Black Panther, that's them. What were my choices one more time? You got A, Central African Republic, B, Benin, C, Namibia, or D, Senegal. I'm going to say Namibia. (laughs) Final answer? Yeah. It was actually uh, Benin. 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 Right. We over two. Over two. Come but, on. But you know what? But just go ahead. First. It, it allows him to go check it out. But I didn't know that too until Black Panther came out and I, and I saw like, oh, female warriors and I researched it. If you guys could, yeah, go check it out. Like, you know, these women were fearless warriors and fighters and, you know, even even the colonialists were scared of them. Mm-hmm. Um, they were fearless. Like, they fought better than men. Hmm. Yeah. And what was the name again? The Mino. Mino. M-I-N-O. M-I-N-O. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Alright, third and last question is what is the name of this famous Malian musician? Obviously Mali, the West audience, Africa? Yeah. <laughs> the audience can't see it. Um, but I'm gonna show you a picture here in a second. Um 
Is it A. Salif Keita, B. Ali Farkature, C. Khalid, or D. Alpha Blondie? And this is for you, Phil. Mali, West Africa. Yeah. Should we give him more hits? I don't know how much more you can yeah, give him. Yeah, Mali's West Africa. There was some heat on these questions. Yeah. 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 Wait, it's not. Come on, no two pencils. All your nerves to test. Ali Farka. Final answer. Final answer. Sadly, no. That was a. That's Salif Keita. He's a like world famous musician. That was from Mali and. Okay. Um, yeah, he's actually one of the greatest living African. Well, we didn't disappoint you, but he no, gave us no, points. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> tough questions. Yeah, I think man. we ask questions. These are tough. I think a lot of even Africans will miss these questions. Most uh, likely. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's that's the theory that we have for you. And you should know. we give them at least one that they can answer? You nah, know, we we done. <laughs> <laughs> we're trying to miss four. We, you know, well, we, we're, gonna, we're gonna take the, this list. The audience has learned from our mistakes. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Good. Um, <laughs> and shout out to uh, Kiki again. She used to host game nights, and we would have the game nights. It was all traffic. Africa trivia wow. it would be like you know what's the capital city of Tanzania what's the capital city of Burkina Faso and you know we had to write it down and so it, it really allowed us to educate ourselves mm-hmm. on you know African history which so yeah, yeah that's, that's why we always about. like these trivias we always do it you know yeah, yeah, I believe not. Yeah. I'm learning from it for right. sure. <laughs> now I got. I think we I already do a path to try and figure out our our Black history in America, but also mm-hmm. go back, extend out further to see why things are the way they are before we even got over here to America is also key too. So yeah. I'm starting to read more, starting to educate myself more because uh, leaders are readers. Yes, sir. Yes. Sir. Yeah. I mean, to end the episode, um, we had asked you guys earlier. Um, so just leave us with uh, one or two or three um, just pioneers in, in your life and unsung heroes that, you know, people should know about. And, you know, what just for real, yeah. I, uh, I'll start. But uh, I got two. OK. I mean, first of all, Harold Washington. I keep it Chicago. First <laughs> black mayor of Chicago. Mm. My parents just always exemplified the fact that you can do anything that you wanted to do. And uh, as long as you strive for greatness uh pay attention uh learn your history gain knowledge and uh continue to be around the communities listen to the communities and uplift your brethren uh you can uh achieve and aspire to do whatever you like to do so becoming a black mayor becoming a fireman whatever you you know wanted to be in your life it wasn't just football player it wasn't just sports athlete yeah. or musicians or anything like that to to be able to become something of yourself and then also Barack Obama, yeah. mm-hmm. just seeing him, I was in college when he was elected, mm-hmm. and uh, seeing him, we had a, a severe shooting at Northern Illinois, where I went to college at, um, on on Valentine's Day, my sophomore year, a uh, gunman came in, shot down 10 or 11 students, and I was actually in the vicinity, not in the actual classroom, but in the vicinity of the area where it happened, and seeing just the chaos that came from it, and Obama was the first person that came out there before his election, was the first person to come out there, had a uh, all-student panel at our con- uh, convocation center and was able to talk to us and actually give people like debriefings, give people help on like PTSD and understanding like different things that you can go through. So I just remember seeing him prior to his uh, presidential uh, run and prior to him being elected as president, uh, being able to see him touch the community and actually come out and being there present 
when it was uh stuff going down and when it was actually problems happening because you know it was we were within a frenzy we were uh disjointed as a university just trying to understand because it was right after the virginia tech shooting yeah. that happened yeah. it was it happened right after on valentine's day so just being able to come out there and actually promote and uh be there to actually talk to people have one-on-ones i actually seen them to act nice. direct conversation with them ask questions and actually seeing them as there in the flesh, it was just something that, you know, was good to see. And then mm-hmm. seeing them as the presidential candidate and president. Awesome. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's dope. Yeah. <clears throat> I'll say for me, I'm, I'm just going to do my grandfather, Dr. James Laurie, um, from Mount Bayou, Mississippi. That's where he was working at the Taborian Hospital. It's a hospital that was came about through the, what was it? I think it's the Knights of Tabor. And he's the medical director there from 1958 to 1972 and what he did he was able to help the city get medical care because there's not many hospitals in that rural area so they were able to help finance some of the local insurance programs insurance policies to make sure that people could go come through and get the medical needs that they need so they're delivering babies or they needed surgery or whatever and then he also was helping black men get jobs as well too and nurses as well um, he had a program with Meharry Medical College, so he would have them come out from Tennessee, Meharry Medical, all the way out to Mount Bayou, Mississippi, so they can stay there and do their residency. They would give them the housing they need and um, give them the different hands-on experience that black doctors were not getting back then. So um, for that, I'm going to put on for him, for Dr. James Lowry. He's a veteran, Army. Huh, without him, I'm not here today, so... Yes, sir. So shout out to him. No, that's uh, you, you, both you guys. I mean, dipping in the wheelhouse, Um, Obama for sure. I mean, that was that was what I was contemplating as well, speaking on. But definitely, uh, my mom, um, she has actually has her master's in science, Um, and she was a trailblazer, obviously from her family, uh, the first to go to to college and graduate. You know what I'm saying? Um, And also studied in the community hospital, did phlebotomy. Uh, which is like how to draw your blood and things yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, she worked her way up to, to radiology, pathology. So doing a lot of things in the in the medical field, um, helping in the community, doing free stuff like that, teaching. Um, I know she had a, a women's mentor group that she was doing, obviously involved in the church, things like that. So doing a lot of community service there, um, but but also just being on the front line working still now. She's in their 70s right now. You know what I'm saying? It's still working. Uh, doing that, making sure that all the blood work gets processed, things like that. And she's working uh, directly, making sure that all the, the COVID stuff, things like that or whatever mm-hmm. is happening um, is, you know, is, is good. And so just shout out to her as well as being that trailblazer, just because I'm not here for sure. Yeah, yeah of course. Um, if without her sacrifice there. Yeah, Miss Catherine uh, Howard, yeah. better say her name. I say Catherine. I say oh, Catherine yeah. Howard. Oh, I ain't here. Well, man. I'll say it again. <laughs> Catherine, Catherine Howard, shout out. Mom, I love you. Appreciate you. Um, we're going to keep it going and build this legacy. That's so, awesome. Yeah, man, I've got a lot of just game out of this conversation, and just I'm so appreciative to have shared this platform, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and have another one of our many conversations that we will have in the future. Um, And you know, thank you guys for joining us and and taking time out of your day to you know share the platform with us, and you know, just just. Spit game for everybody, you know. So. Free game, man. Yeah. Free, game. free game. Free game. Free game. Free ninety nine. Exactly. <laughs> um, and and if we, we want to hear about like, because you know, people are gonna be like, where do I follow yeah, them? Where do we find you guys? Where do you find you guys? So please. Well, this is WB. Um, you can find me um on IG at K O N K R E T E two Concrete two. 
Um, two Shy Guys a Mile High is two C H I, and then Guys a Mile High um, on Instagram, and then we're on Twitter with Two Shy Guys a Mile H I, and you just reach out to me that way. I'd love to hear what people thought about this episode so you can find us on spotify yep. apple youtube anything that plays for the most part um just look up <laughs> to the number two and then chi guys a mile high um and that's where it, that's where yeah. most of that and then you can also reach us uh two shot guys a mile high at gmail.com if you ever want to reach out to us we always are um inquisitive and want to know about what you're going through and uh, different stories that we can uh, highlight on our uh, on our platform as well. But this is P. Will, Phil Wilson. You can follow me on Instagram at P. Will, P-W-I-L. Uh, and like Will said, two shot guys a mile high. Yes, sir. And I'm probably the least one using the technologies, but I love <laughs> yeah. the tech. Just uh, I'm on IG, obviously, now I'm getting on there a little bit. You can find me at Seance. Uh, it's uh, S-A-Y-A-H-N-C-E. So it's a little play on my initials with A-H there. Um, but I, I'm just looking at stories, you know, following, of course, the Joe Lamisamadi, everybody yeah. following uh, there. So just, I'm, that's it. Two Shy Guys of Maha. I'm on, of course, R-I-G there. Um, so, yeah, man, just thank you guys for having us, man. It's been a pleasure. And, um, man. We got to hear more about more, that. Man. We got to hear more about that modeling, though. Oh, oh, we, yeah. we can talk about that another episode. We'll go on, man. Another episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know? But similar similar right to, to you guys, actually, I used to run my mouth at E about basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, we would be out, like, at events, and I'd be like, mm-hmm. yo, you can't see me on a court. Da-da-da. And we still haven't played one-on-one, but, like, it's funny you know how. No, 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 come, <laughs> on hey, come on now. But it's it's funny how you know we have similarities like that, and and that's that's you know like I said, this is what we wanted to highlight, you know, because you know I I've had friends even back home that you know think that like if they're not African, even if it's black people in Africa, they're not like us, you know, they're different. Oh no, that's just them, you know. So and you know we I'm sure we even have listeners. I'm sure they always deem that. So you know we just wanted to highlight and thank you guys so much for you know sharing your stories, how you met, the dynamics, how you meet Africans, you know, and, you know, our journey, how we're all the same. We're all brothers and sisters that, you know, that we want to grow. And, you know, we hope we'll see you guys in Africa post-COVID, you know, posting on IG, you know, chilling. You know, don't go to Nigeria first. I might have a choice. I know. I, 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 I have to throw a job at Nigeria every episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, gotta help them. Gotta with them. But, you know, we really like to see that. You know, um, I've not even been to Chicago personally. And just oh, from yeah, here, yeah. you know, I you definitely want to go. Like you know, it's beautiful city. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've yeah, not been to Denver sure. as well, you know. So mm-hmm. we got some trips we need to yeah. plan just yeah. as, a, as as this platform, you know? as this double platform. You know, maybe we do a joint episodes in one of these cities at some point, you know, with things. This is not the first time, you know, our people. We'll see you guys here for Thanks. sure. Yeah, you know, and I'm but, rocking with y'all. Y'all just keep doing what y'all doing. I love hearing the different stories and yeah. different things that people are highlighting on each one of their mm-hmm. episodes. Kiki's episode was great. Mm-hmm. There's been a, a number of good episodes. With your brother. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That one too. There's a number of just good information and knowledge that was just kicked out there. I'm like, man, I think that's his dad good. was on that one episode. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. Old girl who was on there from um, DC, I think. Bella. Bella. Yeah, shout out to Bella. Yeah. Yeah. Her episode was good too. I was like, you know what? 
I, I rock with it. I appreciate it, man. Y'all, y'all definitely stand up, guys, and actually keep the the content coming, man. It's it's always enlightening to hear the different stories that you go through. Like you said, we all brothers. End of the day, so just hearing the perspectives from you and the knowledge that you're kicking, we definitely listen. We're definitely learning, and we, you know, we taking everything we can, you know, that we can use to help build both our platforms up mm-hmm. and uh, so. continue to be successful on both our ends. hundred percent. You know, what you got? Not much more to say, but thank you. We came, we heard, we accomplished. We accomplished. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, thank you all for listening once again. This has been uh, episode nine. Yeah, it it felt like 10 minutes. We're an hour 40 in. Yeah. (laughs) So, straight bars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, signing out until next time. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you. You know, stay safe out there.